0: do welcome each one in the Savior's name to our service this morning. Trusting the Lord would be pleased to bless us with His presence and to meet with us as we worship together. We're going to commence our worship by turning to some verses in the Word of God from the Psalm 119, the Psalm 119, coming to the verse 105. Psalm 119, the section beginning, verse 105. The Word of God says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have led a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always even unto the end Amen and may the Lord bless the reading of his precious word this morning may we have the same resolve as the psalmist had as he said in that last verse I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always even unto the end May we, as the Lord's people, may we always perform His statutes, may we always obey His law, and may that be our great duty, as it is said here, even unto the end. May we rejoice in doing so, and as we serve the Lord, as we keep His commandments, may there be that joy and that love for Him. We're going to turn in our hymnals to the Psalm 100. The Psalm 100, found in the section of Psalms at the back of the hymnal, the Psalm 100, all people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, His praise foretell. Come ye before Him and rejoice. The Psalm 100, and we'll stand as we sing, please. Us unite in prayer this morning, seeking the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon His work here and upon our time as we gather around uh, the Word. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we rejoice today that we can enter into Thy courts. We thank Thee that we can lift our voices to Thee in song, in praise, and in prayer and we rejoice father that we gather here as thy redeemed people and we thank thee that we can praise thee for the great and wondrous things that thou hast done for us we rejoice father that thou art the great creator and the sustainer of this world we rejoice o god that Thou art the one that created man, and into his nostrils thou didst breathe the breath of life. And we thank thee that thou art our God, thou art our Creator. But we realize that we have sinned against thee, we have broken thy law and thy commandments. But Father, we rejoice today that there is that reconciliation between Thee and us through Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, Thy Son and our Savior. And Father, we rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ has made peace for us. We thank Thee that there on Calvary, as Thy Word says, He was made sin for us, the perfect and pure and spotless Lamb of God, it was that great sacrifice to redeem His people from their sins. And Father, today we thank Thee for Thy mercy. We thank Thee for Thy love toward us. And We realize that we were dead in trespasses and in sins. We realize, O oh God, that our course it was not a righteous course in this world. It was not a righteous path, but it was according to the powers of darkness, a course according to this world but God. And we thank Thee, Father, that Thou didst send Thy only begotten Son into this world, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we rejoice today in the gospel of Christ. And we thank Thee that we are here this morning, praising Thy name and worshiping Thee because of Christ and because of His great work for us on Calvary, but His great work within us. We thank Thee for our salvation. We thank Thee that uh, we are being sanctified. We thank Thee for that workmanship of the Savior within our lives through the power of His Spirit. And Father, today as we gather together, we pray that Thou would bless this time of worship to our hearts, Thou would bless Thy Word to us, that as we partake of it, that it would be the wonderful words of life, words to encourage us, words to stir up our hearts, words to focus our hearts' attention upon the Savior. Father, we pray that Thy Word would have a powerful effect upon us today as we meet together. We do remember those who cannot rejoice as we rejoice in our Creator and in our Savior. For they know not the Lord Jesus Christ as their own. They've never repented of sin. They've never trusted in Him. They've never humbled themselves and placed their all upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, today we pray that uh, Thou would speak to their hearts, that Thou would draw them to Thyself. And uh, we thank Father, of loved ones, those who've been prayed for, For many years here, family members outside of Christ, those perhaps who've come in and have attended services here but know not the Savior, those here this morning, O God, who know not Christ. We pray that Thou would work within their hearts, compel them, strive with their souls, we pray. May they come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we do remember the needs of this congregation to remember those who especially need Thy help and touch. We even think especially this morning of Mrs. Flynn. It has been some time since she was with us here, but, Father, we pray that Thou would be with her and bless her and encourage her heart. Keep Thy hand upon her, we pray. And we remember others also that Thou would draw near to them. We remember our brother Merle and his needs and Father, we pray that Thou would strengthen him, and may he know uh, the touch, the help of the great physician. Father, we do think of the endeavors in the gospel here in this place. We do remember the radio ministry and the Reverend Gallagher as he labors there. Bless him, we pray. Bless Thy Word as it goes across the airwaves, not only here in this area, uh, but across Canada. Uh, We remember the work of Let the Bible Speak, and we pray that Uh, Thou would continue to bless this work and may it go forward in uh, Thy name. Father, we uh, do remember uh, our denomination, our missionaries. Uh, We think, Father, of the mission team that is being planned for Maine Uh, this summer, we ask Thee that would bless the young people uh, who intend in Thy will to go on that team. Remember the Reverend uh, Kelly as he leads that work of church planting in Maine. A blessing, we pray. Encourage his heart. Give him souls for his labors. And Father, may he know the working of the Spirit of God there in that place. We do remember as well the work in Mexico City. I remember the Reverend Boyle and others who are connected there and laboring together for the cause of Christ. Father, bless that work. May it go forward for thee. We thank thee for encouragements, we thank thee for what thou was done and we pray continually that Thou would bless that work. And as the gospel of Christ is sounded forth in a city and a land that is so dark with sin, Father, may many souls be one to the Savior. We remember as well our land. Remember our churches. Remember, Father, those who know and love Thee and are seeking to live for Christ in a sinful world. Father, give us help, give us strength, to be witnesses for Thee, to spread abroad and publish the name of the glorious Savior. Father, we pray that Thou would move in this land, and that souls would realize that the only thing that is really important in life is what they do with Christ, what they think of the Savior. Father, we pray that Thou would turn the minds of this nation to spiritual matters, to the matters of eternity, for the glory of Thy name. Father, we pray this morning Thou would be pleased to forgive us for our sins. We pray that Thou would forgive us for sins we may know nothing about. Convict us of those sins. Show us those sins. We may, by Thy grace, repent from them. Father, we pray that as we confess our sins to Thee, that Thou would be pleased to forgive us to focus our hearts upon the Savior. We will flee from sin and live a life that brings glory to our God and to our Savior. Father, bless us here as we continue in worship. May we know the presence of the Savior here with us. And may we know Thy help, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Turning again in our hymnals, to hymn 362. 362, rock of ages, cleft for me, and let me hide myself in thee. The hymn 362, and we'll stand as we worship, please. turning in the word of God this morning to Ephesians chapter 2 epistle of Paul to the Ephesians a letter penned to the church in the city of Ephesus Ephesians chapter 2 and we'll read the first 10 verses this morning Ephesians 2, the verse 1, let us hear the Word of God and let us give due diligence to it. You hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience.'" among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are seen and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen, and may the Lord bless the reading of His precious Word to our hearts this morning. This point in our service can I extend again a warm word of welcome to each one gathered in, Uh, we do welcome you in the Savior's name. Uh, We do have some visitors this morning. We welcome you, and we trust that you'll feel at home with us as well. We do welcome also those who are watching online, and uh, we trust that uh, wherever you may be, uh, that you will know the Lord's blessing, and you are welcome uh, to gather with us uh, by that means this morning. you remember the service this evening preceded by the prayer meeting at 5.30 p.m., then the evening service at 6 p.m., and in the will of God, I'll be uh, the speaker uh, this evening, and in God's will, we'll be uh, continuing in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be reading uh, the second half of the chapter uh, that we didn't read uh, this morning and considering something from uh, those verses. So, uh, do remember that and do uh, plan to come and to worship the Lord with us tonight. On Tuesday, there is the prayer meeting, and Bible study uh, here uh, in uh, the room up the stairs. And the speaker uh, for the next number of Tuesday evenings, as you can see in the church bulletin, will be the Reverend Andrew Simpson, one of our interim elders. And he'll be uh, conducting uh, these meetings uh, via Skype and uh, via an online means. So uh, don't let that put you off. Do come and do spend some time with us as we hear the Word of God and as we pray uh, together. The next Lord's Day, the services are at the usual times, 11 a.m. in the morning uh, and then 6 p.m. in the evening. And over the course of the next three uh, Lord's Days, in the will of God, I'll be uh, the preacher here uh, before uh, we take leave of the congregation and move uh, that week uh, to B.C., to take up the work of God in Cloverdale. So, do uh, remember us and do remember myself as uh, we preach the next three weeks, and uh, we, have much, uh, we have much to do. There's much packing to be done. Much packing has been done, and I was trying to find the Bible I normally preach from this morning, and I only really use it for preaching. I couldn't find it, and I'm not sure if I put it in a box or if it's under something, uh, but there's books everywhere in the office and I'm not too sure where I put it, but I have other Bibles, of course, and so I have one of them this morning. Uh, but I'm a little out of my comfort zone because this is the Bible I preached from, probably from the last eight years, or different types of that Bible, different copies of it that have been replaced over the years. And so I'm using a different Bible this morning, and the print is a little smaller, uh, so uh, do, uh, do bear with us. Uh, but do pray as uh, we uh, move Uh, To Cloverdale, the ordination service to be the 23rd of uh, June. The annual general meeting uh, took place on uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, There is mention of that in uh, the bulletin as well. Uh, But the financial report for 2022 is on the hall table. So if you do not get a copy of that and would like a copy, it is on the hall table. Uh, The financial reports uh, from 2020 and 2021 are also on the hall table and it is a slightly updated uh, version of those reports. Uh, There was an issue with some of the software used, and those reports had to be revisited and resubmitted uh, to CRA, so they are available also uh, if you desire uh, to look at them. Do remember as well that in the hall, on the hall table, there are various prayer cards for missionaries. Uh, We encourage you to take them. Uh, There's also a prayer card. There is a few copies left of one for the mission team uh, that is going to Maine in the month of July or August, in the summer months. And they are going to help the Reverend John Kelly uh, with uh, gospel outreach as he seeks to plant a free Presbyterian church in the state of Maine in the United States of America. So, do uh, take uh, one of those cards and do pray uh, for uh, that team. I should also say And it's not in the bulletin, uh, but there will be the communion service, the time around the Lord's table, next Lord's Day morning. Uh, So, do uh, remember uh, that, please. These are all the announcements. They're subject uh, to the will of God. And let us uh, turn uh, to the hymn 472, for a closer walk with God. And we're going to ask uh, one of our deacons uh, to come and to seek the Lord in prayer for the offering. And then immediately after the offering is lifted, we'll stand And sing 472, please.
1: Our Heavenly Father, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we certainly have much to be glad in. We love thy law. And thou hast said in thy word that thy law is not grievous. And we certainly realize that and see how it's exactly the opposite. It is a very precious word, and it is amazing and wonderful. Open thou our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Fill us with thy word, that we might not sin against thee, and cause us to be more like Christ, that thy word would live in us of thy good pleasure. Indeed, pour the Holy Spirit upon Reverend Vitton, and upon us, that thy word would go out, that it would not return unto thee void, but accomplish that which thou dost please and prosper in the thing whereto thou hast sent it. Bless the gathering of these tithes and offerings, to the increase of thy kingdom and for thy glory, for thou art the King of glory. In Jesus' most wonderful and blessed name, amen. amen.
0: John is saying 4-7. should have said that we were singing that hymn to a different tune than what we have uh, in the hymnal, and singing it to the tune uh, found, Hymn 141, Martyrdom. Uh, That uh, did escape in my mind. We're going to uh, turn again in the Word of God to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, great chapter, one of, I could say, my favorite chapters in Scripture. It outlines the state of man, the sinfulness and wickedness of man. It underlines why we need a saviour, and it tells us clearly who was involved in that great plan of salvation. Verse four: But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, were with, He loved us. Great chapter that speaks to us of our salvation and what Christ has done for us in bringing us nigh to God, but a chapter that also reminds us of our Christian lives, and we see that in verse 10. Verse 10, the apostle tells this church, "'For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them.'" for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let us unite together in prayer, and let us seek the Lord as we turn to His Word this morning. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We rejoice in Thy truth today. We thank Thee for this chapter uh, that so clearly underlines what Thou hast done for us. But, Father, who we were, dead in trespasses and sins, no spiritual life. And, Father, we pray today that Thou would give us that fresh reminder of who we are in Thy sight, of who we once were because of sin and because of our iniquity, Father, we pray that thou would give us that fresh sight of the Savior, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Father, we pray that as we look to this particular verse, that thou would give us that glimpse of who we ought to be in light of what Christ has done for us. May be our desire to have this verse, as it were, come alive, Within our own hearts, There would not merely be a verse written in black, in the scriptures that we read, but a verse that is found within the experience of our heart. because it speaks of exactly what the Savior is doing within our hearts. Father, we pray that thou would speak to us, convict of sin. Draw souls to the Savior, give help as we come to the preaching of Thy truth. Oh, how often things can distract us and take our minds away from the message that Thou would have for us, but we pray, Father, that nothing would distract us, that by Thy grace we would be focused upon Thy truth. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. The Scottish preacher Samuel Rutherford, a man used greatly by God, a godly and pious man, he said this. He said, I counsel you to study sanctification and be dead to this world. I counsel you to study sanctification and be dead to this world. What we have read in Verse number 10 of Ephesians 2 reminds us of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ who works within us the glorious work of sanctification. It is a work that we are to engage in, a work that we are to desire. It is God's work, but a work that we desire as we seek to be dead to this world. Back in February... I believe we considered the subject, why you need to be saved, and we took as our text the opening verses of Ephesians chapter 2. And it is in these verses that the Apostle Paul brings us right to the heart of man's sinful nature. He speaks about man as having no hope and being without God and being dead in trespasses and sins. And how true that is if you've never trusted Christ as Savior. If you know not His salvation, if you're not a child of God today, then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 down to 3, is your biography. It tells you straight. It tells you clearly who you are. You are dead in trespasses and sins. Spiritually, there's no life, nothing at all. You're living not for God, but according to the course of this world. And dear believer, this morning, that is our biography also prior to when the Lord saved and converted our souls. And as we read what is said here, we are reminded clearly that we are nothing without God, nothing without His salvation. We deserve hell We deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. But in verse 4, we read those words, but God. We are saved, as Paul points out to us here, through sovereign grace. May we never forget that our redemption, our salvation, our standing in Christ is founded upon those two words in verse 4, but God. For without God, we could never be saved without the work of God in salvation, without the mercy and the grace and the love of God, we could never be saved. There was no hope for us. This chapter reminds us of our depravity and our eternal destruction, but it also reminds us that our boast in ourselves, our glory in us for who we are, is vain and empty, and certainly untrue. For verse 8 tells us, for by grace are you see through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. And again, we are clearly reminded here that our salvation is of Christ. It is of the work of God. It is not of ourselves. We did not decide to live a righteous life. We did not decide ourselves that we could be clean living or good living. We cannot decide ourselves, well, we're going to take that path that leads to heaven. It was God in His grace and in His mercy and in His sovereign power. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And dear believer, we need to see our salvation for what it really is, the gift of God, a raising again in Christ, that quickening, that resurrection of those who are dead spiritually into those who are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. The verse that our brother, the Reverend Golliger mentioned on the Lord's Day, or not the Lord's Day, the AGM, you read from Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, And here, most certainly, we can think of every aspect of God's work, salvation included, except God works and God moves. It is all in vain. And the religious faith of man, unless it is a God-based faith, a faith given by God, it is all in vain. It is all in vain. Paul's great point here is man can do nothing man can do nothing. All boasting is excluded because God did everything. We see here a number of terms. Verse 4 speaks of mercy. The undeserving mercy of God, verse 5, speaks of grace. By grace you are saved, treated in a way that we don't deserve. Verse 4 speaks of love, His great love toward us. Matthew Henry said about God's love being that fountain whence all His mercies to us proceed. And He says that love of God is great love, is great love. We have that word quickening in verse 5. It means being made alive, as we said. Verse 6, being raised together, raised up together in heavenly places. Oh, we who were rebels to God, we who were sinners— have been raised up to heavenly places. And it is all through Christ alone. Verse 8, verse 9 speaks of faith, received through faith, given to us by the Lord, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then when we come to verse 10, that is our text, We have the continuation of Paul's dealings with this particular subject, so he goes from our depravity and our sin and our trespasses. He then speaks about God's salvation. He speaks about our justification, and then what happens? What happens after that? We're saved and redeemed. We who were sinners engaging in sin have been redeemed. Now we are redeemed, and we live in sin? No. No. We live in righteousness. We live according to Christ. And we find in verse 10 that this work continues, not the work of salvation as such, because that is a once once forever work. It is a work, an act of God's free grace. It is a one-time act that saves us and redeems us. But then we have this work of sanctification in view. Verse 10, "...for we are His workmanship." created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. We are redeemed by Christ, but He works within us. We are His workmanship. The literal translation here is a thing of His making, a thing of His making. The power of Christ, the saving work of Christ, the sanctifying work of Christ we have here in verse 10. It's a wonderful verse. It shows that complete turnaround from those who are dead in sins to those who now are alive in Christ. And I want to consider this morning very simply Christ's glorious workmanship in us. Christ's glorious workmanship in us. And first, I want you to see that It is a work that is most necessary in us because of sin. It is a work that is most necessary in us because of sin. We find that this is the work of recreation or resurrection, being born again by the Spirit of God. As we've outlined already, we were dead in trespasses and in sins. We've been saved and redeemed, but yet as humanity... As men, as women, we can fall into sin daily, do we not? Do we not feel the Lord? Do we not break His commandments day by day? And there is to be that work within us. The Shorter Catechism tells us that sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Paul speaks to the church of Corinth, and he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And what we have then is in salvation. We are saved and redeemed. We are now new in Christ Jesus. We should not have that desire for the old things then. We should desire the new things. But this work is most necessary because of our sin and because of our iniquity. The believer is seen in the Word of God to be one who lives in the light, one who puts off the old man Verse 22 of Ephesians 4 tells us that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That's where we were, and this change needs to take place. A change that speaks of Christ, a change wrought by Christ, a change that testifies of Christ. One of the great theologians defines sanctification as that gracious and continuous operation of the Holy Spirit by which He delivers the justified sinner from the pollution of sin, renews His whole nature in the image of God, and enables Him to perform good works. And Paul then defines this in verse 10 and refers to it as his workmanship. The believer is Shaped by Christ. He is made by Christ. He is changed by Christ. It is a work that is ongoing. It is not an act like justification that is an instant act, but it is something that continues over many, many, many years. If you take an old saint of God in the later years of their life and you as a young person note their godliness, and note their love for Christ. That is something that has been developed and matured over many, many decades. It's not something that took place overnight, but in sanctification, in that workmanship of Christ, in that maturing, they grew in love and in knowledge of the Savior. And dear believer, this work is necessary in us, because of our sin, because we are human, because we fall into sin on a daily basis. We must be close to Christ. We must flee that sin. We must have Him working within us to help us to flee sin and to avoid sin. It's a work that we must desire. a work that we must desire. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, there is, I suppose, no more exalted statement of it than just this, speaking of sanctification in light of this text. We are God's workmanship. That's who we are, God's workmanship, and that work is necessary. That work is necessary. Oh, how many flaws, how many failings, what sin we have in our lives. And that work is necessary to purify us, to keep us close to Christ, to keep us close to His Word, to keep us close to prayer, to encourage us to come to His house. Oh, the flesh would say, I'm tired. The flesh would say, there's things I need to do. The flesh would say, well, let's lie in. Let's sleep until 1045. Then I can get up and put my dressing, we call it dressing gown in the UK. I've heard people call it a house coat here. I don't know what term you use. You put your, your gown on, you make your coffee, you get your cereal, you put your iPad in front of you, you watch the service. Because, well, a few hours in bed is better than coming to the house of God. It's the same, isn't it? You're sitting, you're listening, but you're not fellowshipping with God's people. You're not focusing the way that you ought to be focusing. And perhaps tiredness or laziness or perhaps just the busyness of life can catch up and we can miss out with God. And one of the things many men say to me, and I hear many ministers speak of it, is that online services, they are good, they are a blessing. There are probably many watching today who for good reason cannot come. And we've all benefited from the marvels of modern technology, and this means whether we're away on vacation, whether we are sick, we can still be part of the service. We can still hear the Word of God live or later. There's nothing wrong with that. It is good. It is beneficial. But when it comes between us actually being present at worship because it's an easy way out, that's where the problem is. Not all of us can come to every service. Due to infirmities, due to age, We understand that, but if we are fit, if we are able, we should endeavor to come. But yet, I think during the pandemic, many have been of the opinion that it's far easier to get up and get your cereal, get your coffee, get your gown, and watch. You don't need to get washed. You don't need to fix your hair. You don't need to pick out what shirt or tie or dress you need to wear. It's far easier. It's simpler. But yet, It's not the same. We're commanded not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And in that way and in many other ways, we can lose out with God. The things of life can come between us and Him on so many levels. And this work of sanctification, this work of Christ within us is necessary, necessary. It's also necessary because when we think of this church, the Ephesian church, what happened to them in Revelation 2? There was a letter sent to this church, a letter from Christ Himself. He saw their work. They were a church that were faithful in laboring and working, but something was missing. They lost their first love. All this work was being carried out, but not in love, not in love for the Savior. Their love for Christ, somewhere along the way, had grown colder than it ought to have been. And that happened to a church that affected the church, and the Savior saw that. And dear believer, we can grow cold, can we not? Do we not know of individuals who have grown cold? who've not attended the house of God, who've fallen into sin. I've sat and I've counseled individuals who have been in tears because they forsook the assembling of God's people. They were persuaded by others to engage in sin that these people claimed was not sin. And it led to addictions It led to medical treatment. It led to their life crashing down upon them. And they realized they needed to repent and they needed to be closer to Christ and they needed to deal with this sin and return to the house of God to hear his word, to hear his preaching, to worship with God's people. They needed to put things right. And it can happen. It can happen to you, it can happen to me. We can lose out with God because we're human and because of our sin. We must desire this necessary work continually within us. Do you desire that this morning? Do you desire to be closer to the Lord day by day, having that relationship with Him, if you look at others and old saints, you see the closeness they, they are to the Savior. Do you desire that? Knowing Christ. Knowing Christ personally. Living for Christ. you desire this workmanship within you. But then secondly, I want you to see that this is a work that conforms us to Christ our Savior. This is a work that conforms us to Christ our Savior. This workmanship is a marvelous work. It is a wonderful work. It takes a wicked sinner. It redeems him, and then it conforms him to be like his Savior. It's a work that can only be done by the Lord. We've seen that already. But God, but God. We cannot make ourselves Christians. It is all of God. We cannot conform ourselves to Christ. It is all of God. It is His workmanship within us. In Acts chapter 16, we read of Lydia. Lydia was religious, but what did God do? We read there in Acts 16, the Lord opened her heart. That which she could not do herself, the Lord did, and her heart was opened when we think of this conforming to Christ, it is a work that God must do, not us. A work that God must do. The spiritual development of man is not a human achievement, as one once said. It is a work of divine grace. Christ is perfect the perfect, pure Son of God, one who lived righteously, one who could die for our sins because He had never sinned Himself, one who is the great Savior of His people. We cannot be like Him. We cannot walk in His ways. Because of our sin, we need to be conformed to Him. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And this is a work, this conforming to Christ. It's a work that is instrumented through the Word, through prayer, and through the power of the Spirit. God is the master workman. If we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we will see something here of this particular work. Paul speaks about being laborers together. He speaks about the building. Verse 10, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And dear believer, the foundation we need in life is a foundation of Christ foundation of the Savior. He is erecting His building. Our lives are molded according to His truth found in His Word, and therefore our sanctification is closely connected and inseparable from prayer and the Word and that relationship with the Savior. John 17, verse 8, has that prayer of Christ, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And if you desire this workmanship of Christ within you, this being conformed to the Savior, being that testimony for Him because you're walking in His ways, then there must be the word and prayer within your life. Can it be seen in your life that you desire the Lord's workmanship because of reading, because of prayer, because of your faithful attendance at the house of God. Dear believer, we should desire this above all else, above all that the world may offer us. We should desire that close walk and that communion with the Lord. Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. The glorious Savior who redeemed us, the glorious Savior who is sanctifying us. Do we desire to follow Him, to be like Him? This workmanship also shows us that our spiritual lives and rejoicing does not end at salvation. There are many who are content, and I saw this when I was a young teenager, many who are content to say, I was saved. I was saved at four. I was saved at five. I came to know Christ at the age of eight or nine. But when they're in their teenage years, they still profess to be of Christ. But the world has attractions. And the world's attractions sometimes come before Christ. They're saved. That's the main thing. They're redeemed. If anything were to happen to them, they believe all is well with their soul because they prayed a simple prayer. But yet their life does not show forth Christ as it ought to show forth Christ. They're thinking of salvation. I'm saved. They're thinking of hell. I'm saved. They're not thinking of the workmanship of Christ within their heart. They're not thinking of living for Christ, serving Christ. And dear believer, this text here is a reminder to us that the glorious workmanship of Christ within our lives It's not merely something to do with salvation, but it continues. It continues. The New Testament church, those believers who were justified, were sanctified, they progressed in their Christian lives. Take the apostle Paul, a great sinner. We could say that in Ephesians 2, was Paul not talking about himself? He was religious, yes, but he was a wicked man. He's speaking about these believers, but the same could be said of all of us, including the apostle. Dead in trespasses and sins, he was redeemed and converted as he met the Savior on the road to Damascus. And what happened? The Lord worked within his heart. He was taught of the Lord. And as we read the book of Acts, as we read the epistles, we see the fruit of God's workmanship within the life of the apostle. He's speaking with maturity. He's speaking with wisdom. He's speaking the truth. He's speaking with love. He's speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit of God as well as it is Scripture. He's speaking with maturity and with a life that has been changed and transformed by the Savior. You see, Paul being saved was not just about Paul being forgiven for his sins and escaping God's wrath in hell. It's about Paul being saved and escaping God's wrath in hell and serving God and preaching the Word and living for Christ. The same life as we all have in our own particular spheres, whether it's in the family or the workplace or in ministry, wherever God has us, we are to live righteously for him, and we need to know that conforming work within our hearts. Oh, to be like the Savior. What is your view of Christ today? Do you desire to be like him? Can you say, with the writer of the Song of Solomon, Yea, he is altogether lovely? A verse that applies to Christ. Can you say it of Christ to me, to me personally? Christ is altogether lovely. Lovely in His person. Lovely in His attributes. Lovely in His work that He has done. Lovely in His workmanship within my life, changing me to be more like Him. Do you rejoice in Christ? Do you desire to have Him work within your life? And then thirdly, I want you to see that This is a work that defines our new path in righteousness. This is a work that defines our new path in righteousness. Ephesians 2 reminds us of the faith that we have in Christ. Martin Luther wrote on one occasion that faith is a busy little thing. And what he had in mind was this, that if saving faith was present within a life, within a soul, then it would manifest itself in good works. Therefore, faith is a busy little thing because it is expressing itself and manifesting itself in the life. For faith without works is dead. And that is what we have here in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Good works are in view. A path of righteousness is in view. The new believer has been changed. His course is different than the person who is not a believer. To look at the spiritual context here, the one who is dead has a different path than the one who is alive. We can see that in society. In society, we have a way in which we deal with those who have passed away. And in sorrow and in grieving, their path is different than those of us who remain. In a very simple level, we can see that. And so, the path of those who are spiritually dead and those who are spiritually alive in Christ is very different. Those who are dead Walked according to the course of this world. Verse 2 and verse 3. Those who are spiritually alive are the workmanship of Christ created in Him unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We see there's a duty here. God hath before ordained God in His purpose that we should walk in them. Our path is defined here as one of righteousness, one of good living, as many in the world will say to us, clean living. Oh, how many have been said, certainly in Northern Ireland, when someone in the workplace has been converted, the rumor goes round, so-and-so has turned to good living, meaning they're a Christian. And it is something that in some contexts, does define those who are saved, good living and Christians. And that is something that is biblical because we see it here in verse 10. Those who are saved, those who are the workmanship of Christ, there's good living, there's good works. Those good works flow from your salvation. They flow from your sanctification. Good works are not the source of salvation. They flow from it. They flow from it. And there's a path here, dear believer, for us to walk. We should desire this path, this keeping of the law of God, this walk that brings honor to Him, this new heart that glorifies God by engaging in good works. What did Samuel Rutherford say? I counsel you to study sanctification, and be dead to this world. The world means nothing to you. But sanctification and good works and living for Christ means everything. What does the world see when it gazes upon your life? What does the world see when it gazes upon the church? For you are part of Christ's church. Christ went about doing good, Christ went about living a righteous life. The true working of the gospel in our wicked hearts brings humility. We were dead in sins, but now, because of God, we have peace with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great reconciliation. And because of this reconciliation, we are now to live righteously in good works. I was thinking of this thought in a particular way. I considered making it a separate thought, but I decided to include it here. I was thinking of making it a point, and of course, points in sermons should be important points, points of doctrine, points of application. I think that is seen in the name. It's a point. It means something. It's supposed to have purpose. That's, I think, what we should all aim for in preaching. Whether we hit that point or not, I don't know, but uh, that is uh, the purpose. And I went for doctrine this morning in the points rather than application, but there is something significant that I thought of uh, when I was considering this and walking in this path of righteousness and this path of good works. And it is simply this. This work of Christ within us, because we've been humbled by the grace of God, because we are being sanctified by Him, should not cause us to look down on others, specifically other believers. This work of Christ, this workmanship of Christ within us, should encourage us to desire that same work in others. Because we are redeemed by the grace of God. We're all the family of God. We've been purchased, as Paul says in Acts 20, by the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ. Paul spoke of his warmth and his love of fellow believers and laborers in the gospel. He loved them. He loved the believer. He desires these believers to know the workmanship of Christ within their lives, that they would walk in these good works. And dear believer, we should be encouraging others to know and experience the workmanship of Christ. Not in the sense that we're the cause of it, because we are not. God is the cause of it. But we should be praying for them. We should be desiring that by God's grace and through His workmanship, they would not follow the sins of this world, but they would live for Christ and by our actions, and by our encouragements, and by our prayers, seek to encourage them. The same way a father will sit with his child and guide him in the truth of God. Encouraging him, that young child, that lying to their parents is not something that they should be doing, quite simply because God said to not lie, because it is sin. And showing them the paths of righteousness and praying for that young child that they would grow. As we look around at our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, let us encourage them to grow in Christ, to live for Christ. Paul spoke warmly of his fellow believers and laborers in the gospel. This does not mean that we're to speak well of those who sin and cause division and follow their own lusts and desires, because we see in Scripture that Demas forsook the apostle, Diotrephes loveth the preeminence. These men engaged in sin, and that sin was clear and recorded in the Word of God. But yet in other places we can see the great Warmth and love. We can see Paul's love toward Timothy, his own son in the faith, and the great bond that he had, the great bond that he had with fellow believers. That is the bond that we ought to have as we encourage one another to live for Christ, to forsake this world, and to know in our hearts the work of Christ within us. We're not to think more highly of ourselves. This working of God within us should humble us. Because we were dead in trespasses and sins, we are not deserving of Christ's work within us. But by His grace and mercy, we have been the recipients of it and others around us. Whether we like them or not, they're the same as us, sinners dead to God, but redeemed and saved and are the workmanship of Christ. They may be at a different stage. They may be struggling with sins you've conquered. You may be struggling with sins they've conquered. Can you not encourage and pray for one another? Those who are the workmanship of Christ, we're not lone rangers. We're not on our own. For Christ is with us, but we're not on our own because we are part of the church of Christ. How marvelous, how wonderful that is. That though we, are, we feel sometimes we're on our own and we have burdens, burdens that are heavy to bear, burdens that bring us down, there are others there who are praying for us and encouraging us. Let it be the same with our sanctification. Let it be the same with this workmanship within us that we seek that each one of us would grow in Christ to His glory. And then finally, I want you to see that it is a work that never ceases until we reach our heavenly home. It is a work that never ceases until we reach our heavenly home. Our salvation cannot be added to or taken away from, but our sanctification is a work that continues. God continues working within us William Ames, the Puritan, said, what are the signs of true sanctification? And he gives a list. He says, a reformation of all the powers and faculties of the whole man. A respect to all the commandments of God. A constant cure to avoid all sin. A walking before God. A combat between the desires of the flesh and of the Spirit. And dear believer, in our walk toward our heavenly home, These things should always be present in our lives. A reformation, a respect, a constant care to avoid sin, walking before God, a combat between the flesh and the Spirit. He said again, to make a progress in sanctification, we are to exercise ourselves to deny sin and to deny the world and to deny ourselves, to seek after God and His kingdom. He says we're to have our end in our eyes, that our life is not infinite, that our life will not continue forever. One day it will end. But let us, until that end, work and seek sanctification. He says, quoting Scripture, to keep our hearts with all diligence, to use the holy means of Scripture, the word prayer, as we seek to be sanctified. It's a work that doesn't end. Dear believer, we don't reach the pinnacle here on earth where we can say we've been sanctified enough. We should always desire to become more and more like the Savior. We'll never reach that goal here on earth. Let us desire day by day. Let us not take our eyes off Christ. Let us not decrease in our love for Him like the church at Ephesus. Let us remind ourselves this is a work that is to be continual, but it is a work that is to be fruitful. Oh, if we are close to the Lord, what a blessing that will be to us and to others. What fruit there will be. What fruit there will be. As we close this morning, let us remind ourselves that the apostle here spoke of those who were once sinners, those who lived for sin, who lived for themselves, but they were redeemed. Maybe this morning, what we said about sanctification doesn't apply to you because you know not Christ. The apostle Paul said, "Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." those opening verses of Ephesians 2 apply to you. It speaks of you. Not the verse about the workmanship of Christ, but the verse about being dead in trespasses and sins. But God, God can make the difference. What a Savior He is. What a loving Savior. Turn to Him. Proverbs tells us, Proverbs chapter 12, in the way of righteousness is life. What we've been saying this morning is the way of righteousness. Life is found, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. But there is death found in the way of this world. Turn from sin. Turn to the Savior. Look to Him. And know of assurity that there is life in the way of righteousness, and no death for you, because death is not found in that pathway. May the Lord bless His Word this morning for His name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word this morning. We pray that Thou would be pleased to bless it to us, encourage our hearts. We pray that Thou would be pleased to draw us closer to the Savior. or oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly freedom. Father, give us that close walk with Thee. We do remember those outside of Christ. Draw near to them, we pray, compel them, strive with the hearts, draw them to the Savior, for the honor and glory of Thy name. And Father, we pray that Thou would be pleased to part us with Thy blessing, and the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide with us, both now and forevermore. Amen.